So it's Tuesday, January the 31st, and finally, after um, 48 whirlwind non-stop hours here in Jeddah, I have a bit of time to sit down and, and, and share what we've been doing with you uh, since we arrived. Um, <coughs> we did arrive a couple of evenings ago, actually, I think the evening of the 29th, and we were able to, after meeting a group of students, um, from Jeddah Prep and Grammar School, who travelled out to a desert camp to meet us, we dipped our toes in the Red Sea, um, and so completed our sea-to-sea, coast-to-coast crossing of Arabia in the footsteps of Harry Sinjin Philby. And a journey that started with Reem and I walking at sunrise um, on November the fifteenth, as the sun rose over Bahrain and Iran. Our journey ended at sunset with the sun setting across the Red Sea over Sudan which lies opposite to us here in in Jeddah and uh, we're all absolutely exhausted typical of any expedition if you kept going you'd be okay but as soon as you take your foot off the gas you realize just how tired you are so but despite that tiredness it's been a very busy um, 36 to 48 hours since we arrived um, and it was inevitably the same for Philby. Um, he arrived here in on, on, on almost on the last day of December in 1917, uh, and he had lots of dignitaries, include, including Sharif Hussain of Mecca, waiting for him to meet him. And this was a very, very important meeting for um, Philby. Um, in his book, The Heart of Arabia, Philby wrote, as always, in great detail about their final day of their journey. And, and he wrote, A broad, upward-sloping glade led us to Mizal, a watchtower in ruins perched on the summit of a low ridge. The hills now thinned out before us to a step-like plain, guarding a low rocky chain surmounted by the guard tower of Raghama. Beyond the tower, out of nothing, rose a narrow strip of blue, our eyes, long wearied by the endless desert of sand and step and rock, rested on the soft horizon of the western sea, and our hearts were glad within us as we hastened on. Among us were a few, including Budder, who had never seen the sea before. From Raghama, where a goodly crowd was gathered about the coffee booths, we looked down upon the coral palaces of Jeddah, Enveloped in the midday haze, a vast sandy beach shelved down before us. We were but half a dozen who led the van, the rest were far behind. More songs, I said to Tommy, that we may ride the faster, and Tommy opened up with the song of the camp, to which the weariest camel will respond, scenting repose and plentiful fodder at the couching. At length the weary march drew to an end, and at mid-afternoon on the last day of the year, we streamed through the Mecca gate, our goal attained, and Arabia crossed from sea to sea. Um, Philby spoke more about um, what a melting pot of, of, of races and creeds and colours Jeddah was being a, a, a seaport, Africa and and it, it's been very apparent to us the air is very different to the east the 
the buzz of being in a large city of about four million people is very different uh, to the desert uh, for us. But uh, we really do feel next to the sea, lots of African people wandering around and uh, and, and people, lots of people I spoke to yesterday from Egypt, from Sudan, from Eritrea, a fantastic hodgepodge of people uh, which make Jeddah such a, such a wonderfully colourful place. Um, yesterday was the official welcome um, and it couldn't have been in a more beautiful place. Uh, Nasif House is one of these old coral buildings uh, to which Philby referred. It's more than a hundred years old, um, perfectly preserved by the Ministry of Culture and the Heritage Commission here and, and open as a museum um, for people to drift in and out uh, to look at how old Jeddah used to be and it's one of dozens and dozens of old houses built out of, amazingly built out of coral um, that still stand and uh, there's a huge renovation and preservation project going on, turning a lot of these beautiful old buildings into boutique hotels and like Nassif House, a, a wonderful museum. So we were incredibly grateful um, to our friends at the Ministry of Culture for organising such a fantastic reception yesterday. Um, lots of media there, lots of dignitaries from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ministry of Culture, the Heritage Commission. Um, so it was a fantastic day. We thought it might last for about an hour, hour and a half, but we were still there four hours later, uh, given a tour um, of old Jeddah, which was absolutely fascinating, wandering the narrow alleyways of the old souk. We were then entertained by the uh, British consulate here in Jeddah, and uh, we had a wonderful gathering of Saudi and uh, expatriate uh, people from the community here in Jeddah, about 70 to 80 people uh, squeezed into what is known as the village hall here at the consulate in Jeddah last night and, and we were able to very quickly put together some some of the images that tell a little bit of the story of course we haven't had enough time to do that properly yet but uh, it was a wonderful night um, a great opportunity for us to say thank you to the countless people that have made this um, journey and this project um, happen and just uh, to be able to share that with some really fascinating people and nice for the team for Anna and for Alan and Reem to hear a lovely message from our patron Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal which the Consul General uh, read out uh, to all who were gathered in the room. Ladies and gentlemen if I could have your attention please and if you'd like to take a seat while you can we can uh, we can get started <coughs> My name is Cecile Albalady and I'm the British Consul General based here in Jeddah for the Western region of Saudi Arabia. Um, and I'd like to welcome everyone here tonight and uh, to thank you for joining me uh, in welcoming the Heart of Arabia expedition team uh, and extending much-deserved congratulations to them uh, on the achievement of completing their remarkable journey in honour and in the footsteps of Harry Sinjan Abdullah Philby across this amazing country from al Uqqa to the final destination, Jeddah. I think it's true to say that it's not every day, particularly in these modern times, that we talk about an expedition. For me, the word conjures up feelings of excitement 
embarking on a worthy journey, facing unique challenges, drawing on human courage and comradeship, and of course, leaving a legacy of understanding and research for the long-term benefit of humanity. I would venture to say that this is what has been achieved by the Heart of Arabia team. Mark, Anna, Alan and Reem, Philby's granddaughter, meets those exacting standards. This has been an incredible endeavor across 1,300 kilometers of a vast, almost empty landscape of shifting sands and climate extremes, a true test of human resilience and determination. Guided by Philby's meticulous journey, journals, this expedition has offered an invaluable second opportunity to deepen our understanding of Saudi Arabia engage again with resilient communities living in remote and extreme landscapes, proud of their heritage and traditions, no doubt with fabulous stories to tell, curious and warmly hospitable to those rare visitors who take the time to pass by, to stop and to listen. But it has also utilized the opportunity to conduct wider scientific research, and I hope that we will be able to hear more about that later. I have to say as well that news has travelled far and wide and the Princess Royal has asked me to pass on her congratulations to all the participants and their support teams for successfully finishing the Heart of Arabia Trans-Peninsula journey. Her Royal Highness is well aware what a demanding feat this was and congratulates the organisers and participants. The Princess Royal would also like to thank the supporters of the expedition who made this journey possible. Her Royal Highness looks forward to receiving a full report <laughs> on the journey when you get back. Finally, Confucius said, study the past if you would divine the future. For UK-Saudi relations, this expedition has tangibly managed to successfully fuse the past with the present, which can only bode well for our future together. Thank you very much for coming. So what became of Philby when he reached Jeddah? Um, remember the bigger picture, that he was travelling under the protection of Ibn Saud, uh, to prove to Ibn Saud that he had the loyalty and the allegiance of the tribes in the central regions of Arabia. Um, clearly, the other contender for the throne of Saudi Arabia was Sharif Hussein of Mecca, who resided in Jeddah. This was his, his stronghold, and Sharif Hussein would not allow Philby to return to Riyadh overland. He forbade such a journey, which was a frustration for Philby because he'd left some of his belongings in Taif and in Riyadh. So Philby's journey overland was 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 up, um, and really he he moved on at this point <clears throat> to the next stage of his extraordinary life. Um, but he didn't do so before describing a little bit more about his time in Jeddah. And he said, within the city uh, is a truly eastern jumble of wealth and poverty, great mansions of the captains of commerce and enterprise, with their solid coral walls and wide expanses of woodwork tracery, 
side by side with hovels broken and battered by age. Mosques, great and small, with pointed minarets tapering skyward amid masses of vast square buildings and crowded bazaars with their lines of dark shops protected from the sun by central roofs, here of wood and canvas, much the worse for wear, and there of corrugated iron. Everywhere a contrast of light and shadow, splendour and squalor, dust and dirt, and above it all flew the flags of many nations um, amid the countless emblems of a united Arabia. At length my time in Jeddah came to an end, and on the afternoon of the 14th of January, 1918, the companions of my desert journey from Riyadh accompanied me to the wharfside, whence, with their last words of farewell, farewell ringing in my ears, and with but slender hopes of seeing them again, I launched out on a steam cutter, lying in the outer harbour, to take Commander Hogarth and myself to Egypt. It was not for this that I had come forth, but there was no appeal from the king's decree. So Philby was taken to Egypt and he spent time in Cairo, which he loved, described Cairo as the most wondrous city. And then it was felt that really, having spent so much time within Central Arabia, he needed to be um, a bit more aware of what was going on in the Greater War. So from Cairo, he sailed to Damascus and from Damascus, he was able to return to where he started in Basra, but had to do so by a mail ship via Bombay. So there was no such thing as fast travel in those days. So Philby had plenty of time to write his notes because he spent a lot of time over the next few months of his life um, traveling um, by boat. And, you know, obviously then, as you will learn in the upcoming podcasts, um, he spent the remainder of his life um, wandering Arabia. Occasional trips to Britain, often driving by car across country, even at the age, even in his early 70s, he was still driving from London to Riyadh, an extraordinary um, man. Um, so Philby had plenty of time to reflect on his heart of Arabia journey, and, and we also now are at the point where we too are starting to reflect on what um, the last 28 days have meant for, for, for us. And um, and I know that Alan and Anna and Reem have spent a bit of time thinking about that, that they will share with you in, in, in a series of short messages that follow. <laughs> 